continue our series, Gather. And as we explore this series, we've explored, you know, what it means for us as a people who gather. And we've said, you know, if we are people who gather, we are a community of Jesus followers. What does that mean? Well, start with a question. What is you know, one thing that you love? And go with you just a moment here. Turn around to the people next to you. And just think of one thing you love. It doesn't have to be the person sitting next to you, but it probably obviously is. Um, but I mean, it's something that you love. It's something fun that you love. It doesn't have to be anything super serious. It can be serious. You know, I love my wife. You know, that's, that's true. I love my dog. You know, I don't love cleaning up after my dog, but I love my dog. So, you know, turn around just really quick and, and give, you know, just think off the top of your head, one thing you love. Don't sit quietly now. <laughs> Greg? I'm just watching the head to see, like, are people now looking back all at me? Are you still, like, sharing, you know, all, listing all the things that you love? All right. Well, so as you think about some of the things you love, you know, I, I want you to know, I want to know if you love one of the things that I love. Today is a holiday. What holiday? No, I, I love coffee. Yeah, I do love coffee. It has not, it, well, the coffee goes really well with it. Today is National Bacon Lover's Day. <laughs> Anyone here also love bacon? I didn't ask if it's good for you. I just asked if you love bacon. I, it's terribly unhealthy for you, but oh man, that smoky, salty smell. Mm. You know, how many of you are going to go home and have bacon for you know, lunch or brunch? You know, and, and growing up, we'd make this toasted uh, peanut butter and bacon sandwich. I know it sounds weird, but it, oh, it's good. I love bacon. You know, I just, I just love the way it sizzles and the way it just tastes and it's crispy and chewy at the same time. And, oh, it's just so good. Well, this morning as we talk about, you know, what it means to gather, what it means to be a community of Jesus followers, we're going to explore a little bit, you know, what it means to be a community of Jesus followers, this gathering of people that live in love. And again, you know, we've been in this series talking about what it means to be this community of followers. We said, you know, sometimes we can think of the church that gathers, God's people that gather, like a business. And if we're like a business, we're often all about production. What are you producing? Or we could be like a team. You know, the fall season is kicking off, you know, and we're looking at, you know, fall football, you know, and a team performs. We said, you know, more than just simply a business or a team, we are a family. We gather together like a family, and we, we celebrate, we, we laugh together, we share stories together, we cry together, we, we work with one another, and we do what? We worship, but I, I was hoping that the whole bacon and love question would get you to work. We, we, we love each other. Well, it's, I like that you say we eat each other. <laughs> Not this kind of gathering. But we together, we celebrate together. And in fact, you know, the best part of what we'll do this, this morning is we'll celebrate this meal that our Savior Jesus gives to us. So let's put it in context. 
you know, these, the, the scripture reading that, that Craig had read for us this morning, from John 13, um, this is usually in the Lenten season, you know, reading. So this usually happens, you know, usually at April, March time frame. John 13, Jesus is getting closer to the time when he is going to be at the cross, where he is going to be the greatest expression of love by giving his life for you and for me, for the world. And he's been telling his disciples, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And even as he's gathered in the upper room for the celebrate the Passover, the special meal, and from that meal, you know, he gives them a new meal to celebrate that we celebrate here today. It's a meal that at times is called the meal feast, the agape, the love feast that our Savior gives to us. That he does something Culturally out of place. Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher, you know, you know, as they're doing the meal, he takes off his outer garment. And I think of having kind of like a long t-shirt on. He gets and he wraps a towel around his waist. He gets a basin of water. He gets down on his knees. And he begins to wash the disciples' feet. I don't know about you. Have you ever washed somebody's feet before? Some of you are like, yeah, I've done that before. Some of you are like, yeah, nope. Some of you are like, yep, I've done that before. You know, that is a humbling experience to wash someone's feet. And then I've shared this before. You know, one year in, in Poland, we decided that was the Bible story. You know, we were sharing. And so we, as the English teachers, decided the best way for us to do this is to have our students come and wash and have their feet washed. And you talk about, for them, blowing their cultural minds. They're like, no, no, that, you cannot wash our feet, James. I said, no, no, come. I'm, I'm going to wash your feet. And most of these are like middle schoolers, so, you know, they hadn't showered probably for a week. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah. You know, and, um, yeah, you know, we had them take off the shoes and we wash their feet. And that same kind of jarring experience is what the disciples had as Jesus began to wash their feet. These dusty, dirty feet that probably hadn't been washed for days, maybe even weeks. And he says, you know, I've set this example for you. And the conversation goes on, and then Jesus says these words that I think truly begin to shape who we are, not just we hold this evil, but who we are as God's people throughout the world, throughout all of time, and how we express being together as God's family. Let's read a little further in John 13, verses 34 and 35, we read together. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Everyone will know that you are my disciples because of your love for each other. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. And ultimately, Jesus is going to express that love, not simply by washing their feet. He's going to express that love by dying on the cross, by giving up his life on the cross for you and me and for the world. It's in that same gospel that we hear those words that many of us know, sometimes called the gospel in a nutshell. You know, God so loved the world, God loved the world this way 
that he gave his one and only son. God's love through Jesus shapes our relationship. It shapes our interaction with each other. It shapes our interaction with our community here in Lincoln and all over the world. It shapes our relationship and our interaction with everyone. God's love is shaping us. And as we talk about what it means then for us to gather as a people, to gather as a, a people who are striving to act like a family committed to serving in what? In love. That Jesus becomes the example of us serving one another, serving our community and serving our world in love. Again, we are a community of Jesus followers. If we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to follow him and the love that he has. And who did Jesus love? Well, he loved the world, right? And who was the world made up of? The world was made up of people who were sinners and tax collectors, prostitutes, people who were broken and hopeless, people who were sick and dying, people who thought they could never do anything right, that God would never love them, no one else would ever love them, people who thought they were the perfect person and that everybody should love them and that God should love them. Jesus loved them all. Jesus loved those who were humble, he loved those who were arrogant. Jesus loved the world. And he calls us to live out and to share that love. So what does it mean for us to, to live out and share that love? You know, we can go throughout Scripture for hours. Sit back, relax. We're going to fast through lunch, bacon for dinner. I'm just kidding. But there is a number of areas we're going to take a look at today and what it means to really live in this relationship of love with one another, to live out and follow Jesus' words that we love each other, and that really we love an expression of his love, the world. We'll take a look here first in the words of, or the first saying, sorry, I know we'll look at the scripture. Here it says, you know, give without expecting anything in return. Give without expecting anything in return. When Jesus gave his life, did he expect anything in return? No, he gave his life freely for us. It was that he gave his life, now you've got to give me something in return. Our gift to Jesus, our response to him in anything is gratitude and thanksgiving. Give without expecting anything in return. How many of you have given something to someone expecting something in return? Well, probably all of us have at some point in some relationship. Really, Jesus says his love shapes us that we give without expecting anything in return. Proverbs 21, 26 says this, but the righteous give without sparing. Now, the righteous is those who are made right, declared righteous by God's grace and God's mercy. So shaped by God's grace and his mercy, shaped by his love for us, we give without sparing. We give, as you know, Paul says in the scriptures, we give generously. as our Savior gave generously to us. And one of the other you know, components of this love, and again, we're going to only look about five of these components. One of the other components of this love is that we forgive without punishing. Now, how many of you have forgiven with punishing? Again, we probably all have done that. And whether it's the person you know, that's closest to us, 
oh, I know, I talk about the roundabout, or the person in the roundabout that you, you know, cut off because you're trying to punish them for going so slow or not going when they should go. And we do little things sometimes. Sometimes we do really big things. But as we think about what God gives to us, he forgives us without punishing us. He forgives us. He forgives you freely. Forgive without punishing. We read this in Colossians 3, verses 13 and 14. Let's read these words together. Put up with each other and forgive each other if anyone has complained. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I said that twice. Above all, be loving. This ties everything together perfectly. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Is that easy? Not always. Sometimes it's incredibly difficult. Sometimes it seems impossible to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us if we truly understand how the Lord has forgiven us completely, absolutely, with no strings attached. But it's also one of the things that we strive for. You know, we are gathering of people committed, striving to act like a family, committed to serving in love. That doesn't mean we serve in love perfectly. It doesn't mean that we, you know, forgive in love perfectly. But that's we're committed to let God shape us in this way. Forgive as the Lord forgave us. Another component of this love is that we enjoy without complaint. What does that mean? Well, that we enjoy serving and in giving you know, without complaint. Again, how often have you given or served with grumbling under your breath, complaining? If you're married, the likelihood is more than once in your marriage you have um, complained. Some of you are laughing. Except for me, because you asked my wife, because she's not here, so she can't defend it. <laughs> Yeah, he grumbles. Um, enjoy without complaint. Paul puts it this way in Philippians 2.14. Let's read this together. Do everything without complaining or arguing. You know, out of all the ones we've gone over so far, this is the one that I find sometimes the most challenging. If I'm in a bad mood, if I'm tired, you know, to serve and to give without complaining is not always easy. But again, you know, we reflect back on the one who gave to us, the one who gave his life to us. And our desire, our commitment to being like this doesn't mean we're going to be like this today and now for, we're good forever. It means that, hey, we're going to, we strive to be like this. We want to be like this. We've got to trust God, his grace, his strength, his presence, the Holy Spirit to work in us to help us live like this. And of course, when he doesn't, or not when he doesn't, but when we don't, or when others don't, we go back to some of the preceding elements of this love. We do what? We forgive without punishing. Another element of this love is that we speak without accusing. Again, as we talk about, you know, being like a family, you know, like a family, there are times we can speak with accusing. Whether it's our actual family, you know, husband, wife, children, siblings. But even as we interact with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, to speak without accusing. James says it this way, James 1.19, we read this together. 
Remember this, my dear brothers and sisters. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and should not get angry easily. So it doesn't say necessarily you don't get angry, just not angered easily. Quick to what? Listen. Slow to what? Speak. I think about that, especially as, as a community of believers, you know, some of the times where this is really hard to do, but it's really helpful if we do this, is when you have a voters meeting, you know, and we've got some tense things to talk about, and we may not always agree with each other, and that's okay, but to be put into practice saying, Lord, help us as we interact with each other to be quick to listen, to listen, truly listen to what others are saying, listen to their thoughts, their ideas, their fears, their apprehensions, their joys, and slow to speak. You know, if you're like me sometimes, I try to start formulating the words in my head before they're even done speaking, and then I really am not listening to what you're saying, I'm just formulating what I want to say. And so I know I have to say, James, listen. And really have to put on those listening ears. Slow to speak and to not easily get angered. Another element of this love, and again, these um, elements of love kind of all just intertwine together. Another element of this love is to learn to let go. I wonder for how many of you there's a Disney song in your head, let go. <laughs> it's now, it's in your head. Let it go, let it go. Um, learn to let go. It's easy to hold on to a hurt. And many of us have held on to hurts for a long, long time. And ultimately it's God that enables us to let go of those hurts. And that brings healing for us and our relationship with God. That brings healing for us and our relationship with others. Learn to let go. Paul writes about it this way in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. We read together. Get rid of your bitterness, hot tempers, anger, loud quarreling, cursing, and hatred. Be kind to each other, sympathetic, forgiving each other as God has forgiven you. Through Christ. Even if we just took that small section of scripture and said, all right, for the next 20 years, I'm going to work on this. I still wouldn't be perfect at it. And neither will we as we interact with those who are closest to us, as we interact with one another, as this family of believers that we call Holy Saviors, brothers and sisters in Christ, as we interact with the world around us, the people we go to school with, people we work with. Yet this is the example that God has called us, that our Savior Jesus has called us to follow. To be kind, sympathetic, forgiving each other as he in Christ has forgiven us. We are a community of Jesus followers. That doesn't mean that we are perfect in all these elements of this love, in serving and love by any means. But it means we are loved perfectly by our God. We are renewed and refreshed in that love so that we can share that love and live in that love. 
You know, here at Holy Save, we talk about growing in Jesus and sharing his love. And so a question for you to ponder as you go forward into this new week, as you think of these, these elements of love and what it means for us to be a family of believers, to be brothers and sisters in Christ. And the question is this. And let's say this question together. Who can I serve and love by following Jesus' example? Ponder that. Maybe already God has put someone in your head. Maybe the Holy Spirit will give you a nudge, you know, later on this week. Someone that you can serve in love, as Jesus has served you in love. Serve them in love, not because we have to, to prove ourselves to God or to them. Serve in love because we are motivated, we are moved, we are shaped by the one who served us in love, by Jesus himself. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing grace and love for us. That, Lord, you would serve us. You would serve all of humanity in love by giving yourself for us at the cross. Risen Savior, we thank you for your love. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this gift of faith we have to believe and trust in this love you have for us. And, Lord, help that this love would shape who we are and our relationship to our God in relationship to those who are closest to us, to those of us who are gathered here as a family of believers, to those we interact with, Lord, that we know really well, to those, Lord, who are complete strangers, to everyone. But, Lord, as you love them, we would love them, that we would be loved by you and live in that love. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. This time we continue in these ancient words of the Apostles' Creed as we profess our faith in this God who loves us. Together we profess, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, severed under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from thence to come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we come before God to acknowledge that we haven't loved perfectly, yet we come to our God knowing that he loves us. And that he forgives us. And by the power of his spirit, he renews us. Let's confess together. Loving God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. And we have failed to fulfill your desire for us to love one another. We have not followed the path you've given us, choosing instead to follow our own. We have broken relationships. We chase consumer desires. We treat others as less than human. We have not loved our neighbors or always heard the cries of the needy, the poor, and the oppressed. Forgive us, Lord, and renew us in your love by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
We are God's promise of his grace, mercy, and love for us in Jesus Christ. God's goodness is non-exclusive. He showers love and compassion on all this creation. Through Jesus, God's mercy and grace extends to you. All of your sins are forgiven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God's people say amen.